as we start this episode of The Space Between Years, let me tell you about my friends at Mohawk Honda, located on Freeman's Bridge Road in Scotia. Listen, it's it's a big trade-in season right now. And, you know, the other dealers are all looking for inventory. The problem is, though, you're looking to trade in your vehicle. That's great. You just sold it for X amount of money. But then you want to turn around and buy a new vehicle. And because of those dealers not having a whole lot of inventory, you're probably not going to find a vehicle that fits your needs and your lifestyle. However, that's where Mohawk Honda comes into play. They have the largest inventory, acres and acres of inventory, the largest in the capital region. They have values and you know needs over at those other dealers. But Mohawk Honda, they want to look at your values and your needs. They want to make sure they get you into a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. So instead of going and trading in your vehicle and then turning around and buying something that you're only halfway happy with, go and find the vehicle that fulfills all your needs, everything you need for you and your family so you can have a safe and reliable ride for years to come. Go and visit Mohawk Honda, Freeman's Bridge Road in, Sc in Scotia. Almost said Schenectady there. Freeman's Bridge Road in Scotia. Mohawk Honda, our friends over there, where they go out of their way to please you. And hello, yes, episode number eight of The Space Between Your Ears. I'm Brian Katie, presented by Godzilla Media. And of course, I just mentioned, sponsored by Mohawk Honda over at Freeman's Bridge Road in Scotia. Not too far outside the Albany Schenectady area, and uh, I, I know that you know it, it's it took a little bit to get this episode off the ground. But uh, I initially had an interview set up for this episode, but once uh, things went awry there, I decided to take a left hand turn and just do something with you and I. I'll talk, you listen, or if you're checking us out on YouTube, I'll talk. You watch, and if you're not watching on YouTube, then clearly you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you're catching your podcasts at, your favorite way of doing that. Thank you very much. And hey, if you are checking this out on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe, the, uh, like the video, subscribe to the Godzilla Media channel. Always appreciate that. And if you're listening to us on any of those various ways you can listen to your podcasts, make sure you rate the show. Rate the channel, comment, subscribe, all that jazz, and we always thank you here at the space between your ears, with the new, with the, the nice cool backdrop there. <clears throat> Been here for probably about a month now, and uh, yeah, and all of us at Godzilla Media, obviously, thank you for checking out the show or shows if you're interested in multitude of the shows we do, and uh, yeah, we hope that you continue listening and tuning in. So, uh, oh. By the way, socials. I almost forgot about that. Uh, if you want to check me out on Twitter, uh, I don't always just post mental health stuff or sports stuff, but if you're interested, uh, at Brian Katie, very simple. My first and last name all together. B-R-I-A-N-C-A-D-Y. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns in long form, or if you want to share your mental health story uh, or stories specific to what I'm discuss, what I discuss in an episode, my first name, Brian. Dot Katie, my last name, C A D Y, at GodzillaMedia.com. That's G O Z I L L A Media.com. Or as I tell some people, think of Godzilla, take out the D, GodzillaMedia.com. Perfect. All right. Now we've got all the introductory stuff out of the way. Um, so for this episode, 
Uh, I had to think long and hard about wanting to talk about this because it's a topic that is a little more wide-ranging than I think I anticipated it to be. Uh, I have no notes for this episode. Absolutely none. I don't have it as part of the outline for the book I've showed before or referenced to on the on this show in, in the past. Um, although it is probably something I should add <laughs> to that outline because I think it could be devoted as a whole chapter into itself. Um, I don't have my cell phone in front of me. I left in the bedroom to charge. Um, and so I don't have any distractions while recording this because I want to be I want there to be a complete unknown as to how long this goes, the directions I take with this discussion, and what pops into my head. I want this to be as free form as possible. And so that's what we're doing here. And again, it's a topic that I think in the back of my mind I've been avoiding for a long time. And I had to really sit down myself, uh, particularly these last few days before uh, doing this show. Um, because I'll fully admit the last few days before doing this, I, um, I my frame of mind has not been 100%. Um, and it's not because of anything that's happened, per se. Um, it's not because of anything I did or my wife did or anyone of my family has done or said in that case. It's not to do with, it's just um when I thought of this topic around Sunday or Monday, uh it's just put me in a weird headspace. So hence why no outline, no phone. I want this to come out as natural as possible. So here goes. Um the the, the this the the umbrella topic that I'm going to discuss is the idea of self-sabotage. Now, I'll admit, when I had planned out this show, I, not this show, but I mean like the, the general idea of this show, and I was laying out ideas for episodes. This was not even in the list. I did not have this topic written down. Um, I, had a whole, I had a bunch of other stuff listed. Um, you know, death, relationships, depression, different interviews addressing different areas. Um, you know, eventually I want to get into like sex stuff and pregnancy stuff and alcohol and drugs. Like, uh, and we'll get we'll get those topics down the road. Um, regardless of whether or not they pertain to me personally. But I had this topic put in my head, like I mentioned, over the 4th of July weekend. And I did it to myself. Like, it wasn't even, it wasn't even something that somebody said to me personally. It wasn't somebody calling me out saying that I was doing this. Um... It was something that, that popped in my head. Now, if you look at the clinical meaning of self-sabotage. So basically, it's when you take steps to prevent yourself from achieving goals. And 
is something that you could be actively doing and be fully self-aware of. Or it could be something that you're doing completely unconsciously and have to do a hindsight look over and recognize that self-sabotage. And this could be relationship self-sabotage, could be career self-sabotage, personal stuff. Um, yeah, so that's that. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of different reasons that people go into this. Um, you know, and when you know when you talk about self-sabotage, it could be stuff like, you know, alcoholism, drug addiction. Um, for me, obviously, you know, food, um, procrastination, uh, certain behaviors that might get you fired from a job, s stuff like that, essentially. Um, not following through on commitments and causing yourself to have bad relationships with friends or bad relationships with your loved ones. All that kind of stuff. It's all self-sabotage at the end. Um, and that's not something that people... Th I don't think a whole lot of people, upon first glance, really think about that, in particular about bigger, more prominent, and self-destructive issues like alcoholism or drug addiction. But in the end, it, it is very self-sabotage. Because in the end... In, in the end, you are preventing yourself from being a better person in many different aspects of life because you're retreating to your comfort level, to put near quotes, your comfort level of your booze or your drugs. It's preventing you from moving forward, whether it be relationships, career, whatever. Um, and in trying to think back, self-sabotage for me, um, in little ways and in bigger ways, it really goes back, I'd say, probably two decades, it, which, when you, when you put it in perspective, that's over half my life, so... It makes you wonder, how the hell are you self-sabotaging yourself as a teenager? Well, when I look back at my weight issues, and I really break it down. Like, going through grade school, I was never skinny. Um, and my primary care doctor wasn't a fan of my weight but it wasn't like I was oppressively huge for my age you know and so going up through grade school it wasn't really there were no issues then really the, the very first time I can think of when I started recognizing food as reliance and food as a self-sabotage weapon. Well, I didn't think of it as a self-sabotage weapon. I was just using it for comfort. 
was when I went out of my way personally and proactively ended my athletics, my athletic career. Um, because from the winter, essentially within f 15 months or so, I had three different ankle injuries. Um, the first one more severe than the other two. The first one actually involved a fracture. The other two were just bad sprains. But without even thinking about the idea of losing a little weight and making a further commitment to um, working out with greater regularity and maybe trying to strengthen my lower body so I could prevent such injuries from happening, I decided to take the easy route, essentially, and just stop. And I never tried out for another sport again throughout my high school years. Um, but one year I was at Siena. It never happened again. Um, now I did play, you know, some pickup basketball games here and there, you know, because, you know, you still have gym class in high school. And then uh, one of the things that we did for a couple of years at the radio station for Siena College, WVCR, we had a charity basketball team that played uh, different schools around the area. And so I'd help out with some of those games from time to time. Um, while I still could get up and down the court physically without it being an issue. Um, but in, but for, for, from, a competitive, from a competitive standpoint, I was done. And looking back, that's probably really the, the very beginning of any self-sabotage behavior that I did have because I no longer had to make any attempt at all to try and stay in shape. Um, even though I was wearing, even though I had fitted uniforms, um, for CBA because back at the, that day it was still JROTC mandatory across the board for the high school so you had fitted green uniforms and fitted dress blue uniforms and I can remember looking back at certain times during a couple of the summers when I went through high school and I was getting too big for my uniforms and had to move up in sizes I can remember thinking back once or twice and having uh, my mother bring up that concern about my growth. Um, but not to a point where she was forcing me in a certain direction to do something about it. It was just her vocalizing her concern and hoping that I would take it in and take it seriously. Of course, I didn't. Um, so... That's the first thing I can remember is that I just realized that I started to care less about being particular about how much I eat. Um, but again, at the same time, I was even going through high school, even when I did put on some weight. 
continue to put on some weight, I should say. I wasn't at a point yet where it was affecting mobility or the ability to do regular day-to-day activities. You know, I was still able to play around with my brother and sister. I was still able to, you know, uh, help do things around the house and all that jazz. But I can tell you, looking back, that was the first time I really was self-sabotaging, was that time period of high school. Um, And even then, I was, like, I didn't think much of it, though, because through high school, I'm still making friends. I'm part of the color guard. I'm part of the debate team. I'm, relatively speaking, for 90% of my classes, I'm getting good grades. Um, I'm still supremely active at my church. I'm doing a lot of stuff for the diocese. So, like... My life isn't crumbling. It's just one at one f- uh, one area of my life that I was sacrificing, which was athletics. So to me, and I never thought anything of it just because, all right, I can't do this, but I have all this other stuff where I can do it and do it well. So I was okay with it. Like I didn't, I didn't put too much of it in my mind. Um, <clears throat> then came, you know, my early twenties and through that time, I was just grinding. I'm, I'm working full time at that point. I'm, Going through the radio station grind with WVCR and eventually going to new school come um, late 2008 into the early part of 2009 and eventually getting to commercial radio. And everything seems put together. Um, at the same time, though, I'm, I'm not doing anything to approximately try to lose weight. Um... And I'm just kind of hovering around. I'm still just kind of hovering around the same size during that period of time. I'm big, but not like, again, still not to a point where it's affecting me personally um, or my day-to-day activities. Um, but it also didn't help and I'm not putting blame on this person at all, just to preface this. Um, but I'll put this out there. It, it didn't help that at the time, at this time in my life, which it, which I'm addressing is roughly 0506 through about 2010, it doesn't help matters that I'm with a girlfriend who for 95% of our relationship didn't really give two shits about trying to be healthy. We were perfectly fine eating out 
or if we got away from our families and got a hotel room for the night, she had zero problems ordering ordering pizza or whatever. Like she was fine with me as I was. But again, this is the first ninety five percent of that. And during that time there's a lot of drama involving her family and my family. Um mostly caused by her and the decisions she's making if with our relationship. So like in a way looking back it was kind of our escape I guess you could say was not giving it a shit about what we were eating. Um but at the time I'm still trying to grind and get into radio and make a name for myself and put a reputation out there. And then then came another stepping stone in the self-sabotage in that um, she cheated on me. I broke things off. This is October of 2010. Now I'm free of anyone attached to me. And I look back now and yes, this allowed me to re-solidify the relationships I have in my personal life with my family. Um... And it made the next, we'll say, made the next three years, we'll call it, uh, very good for me on a on a personal way, in a personal way. Um, and then professionally, I was just working my ass off, trying, again, just in the same workplace, still working at the ESPN radio station, just pushing, pushing, pushing. You know, doing anything I can, I can do. Um, but at the same time, um, I was being more social. Um, but not necessarily in the most responsible way. And this is something that I haven't really addressed. At all to anyone. Um, now I wouldn't go out. Now here's here's the here's the fine line I'm going to draw. Looking back, I would not say. I wouldn't have said then, and I still don't say to this day that I became an alcoholic. I did not. But the few times where I was allowing myself to go and have a good time, I wasn't always capping myself. If that makes any sense. I'm sure it does. Um, Like, I can remember there were a few times when I'd go to, and it doesn't exist anymore, uh, which 
sucks because I was it was a it was a great place to hang out. Um, Bobby T's Sports Bar. It was on North Allen. Literally a good football throw down the street from the corner of Central and North Allen. So basically, if you find Danker Florist on the corner, it was literally like two, maybe three buildings down behind it on that left-hand side if you're going down North Allen from Central. Um, it wasn't a huge bar, but it was... Um, it was a bar I was introduced to doing radio promotions uh, for the station, for the ESPN station. And it just became a, a regular hangout um, for... Uh, it, became re- it became a regular place for radio station events for us and for WGNA. It also became a regular hangout during football season, though, on Sundays. Um, because if I wasn't doing anything at Wolf's 111, uh, I had some friends who went there who were... Big Bills fans, including Zach By, who right now is working. Uh, he's doing afternoon drive for a big-time sports station in Denver, Colorado. Um, but when he was still living here, him and a group of friends and his then-girlfriend, now-wife, um, would just hang out and watch the football games. And it was this whole little Bills conglomerate. And it was it was a great time to be there. Um but I'll be honest, looking back, there were a few times that I can think off the top of my head where I allowed myself to have maybe a little too good of a time. And probably now I let me be clear about what I'm about to say. I never got behind the wheel feeling like I couldn't drive. But from a legal standpoint, if I had to guess, there were probably a few times I shouldn't have gone behind the wheel. So I wasn't really feeling the effects of what I had, but because of how much I had from a legal standpoint, from on a BAC level, I probably shouldn't have driven home those nights. <clears throat> and then there's one time in particular that I can remember. It was... Um, St. Patrick's Day 2013, and it was also the first day of the NCAA men's basketball tournament. So we were running NCAA tournament games on the year all day, which meant no local shows, which meant essentially an off day for me. Brian No was doing one of his last events ever as a talent at Wolf's 111, which was from like 12 to 2, I think, or some shit like that. So I went there as the like uh, what I thought was as the unofficial heir to the throne as program director for the station. Um, I went there to provide my support for like an hour. Make sure everything was going off okay with the the uh, remote. And then there was a bunch of people from the sales team that were taking the afternoon off and meeting at Quentin's Ditch in Schenectady to uh, have some libations. And... <laughs> Uh, 
like I'm just having a good time. I'm hanging with my people. Um, there was even a, a picture taken with the whole group of us at one point. I think it's somewhere on Facebook. I'll have to dig through my profile or someone else's profile to find it. But I do remember there was like a picture of the whole group taken because Clinton's Ditch, they have the, obviously the building, but in the back, at least I, at the time they did, I don't know if they still do, they had a deck in the back that had another full bar area and they had TVs out there as well. Um, so that's where we were. And that's where we had the picture taken right in front of that bar area. Um, so I'm going through whatever. And it, by this time, it's probably five, six o'clock. I don't know. It's, it's during that time where the games kind of take a dip and stop before starting back up at like 6.45, 7 o'clock. And people are leaving and whatever. And it's pretty much just me and one or two other guys. I'm, I eventually decide to leave. And I fully remember, I was standing the entire time I'm there. I fully remember getting to my car, getting in, and as soon as I closed the door, I felt the, the rush of everything I had drank coming through my head. I'm sorry that I just hit the microphone with my hand. Um, and it was in that moment where I was like, oh, shit. And that was the only time, and still this day is the only time in my life where I was literally sitting in my car and I had a an honest to God come to Jesus decision to make. Do I really try getting home? Like I wasn't I wasn't let me make this straight. I wasn't drunk to the point where I had slurred speech or my vision was impaired or my judgment was impaired. But I definitely had enough alcohol to feel it, is what, what what I'll call it. So I had a genuine decision to make. Do I try driving home from Erie Boulevard and Schenectady to what I'll essentially call the south end of Albany, which meant getting on the thruway? <laughs> um, which, if you're trying to avoid troopers and cops, probably not the best way to go, but it was one way I really knew to go at the time from there. Or do I try to hitch a ride from one of my buddies that was still there? Or option C, do I call my mother? And as much as I love my mother, I did not want option C to be an option I chose because I wanted to avoid that conversation. So it was really A or B. And I sat there for a minute. I even turned on the car and was letting it do whatever. And I decided, fuck it. And I got home fine. Um, never got pulled over that day. But it's one of those things where I'm glad everything was fine. Like, I drove fine. Like, I didn't, I wasn't falling asleep at the wheel. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't swerving. I it was it was the most it was the most nerve wracking and attentive drive that I did. Uh, because I can vividly remember myself being super extra attentive to what I was doing that entire drive home. 
Um, that's not to say it was the best I've ever drove in my life, but I'm just spitting here. But when I look back, it's probably one of the worst decisions I ever made in my life. And one I would not do again. Like, worst case scenario, I would probably, today, I would call my wife. I would call her sister or one of her brothers. I would call my mother, my father. I would call somebody. I wouldn't... I wouldn't even bother risking it. Depending on where I was would depend on who I called. Um, so yeah. So that's that's that. Um, so yeah. That's... So basically during that time period I was drinking more often and in greater volume than I had ever before, but not to a point where I would consider myself being an alcoholic. Um, because the increase in volume wasn't happening every time I went out. Like I was, there were still times I'd go out and say, I'm only going to have one or two drinks. and I'd only have one or two drinks. Like it wasn't, it was one of those things where inhibition totally went out the window, but there were a few times where I, Probably should have been smarter than what I was. Um, so let's kind of get let's get back to the weight issue, though, because that's the most glaring example of self sabotage. Um, when I got let go from the ESPN station on Labor Day week in the 2013. Um, it hit hard because it was a decision that I didn't believe was just that. I believe that was a scapegoat and still this day I do, but we're not going to, we're not going to dive into that long form again. You all know the story by now. If you don't go back Go back through the previous episodes of, of this space between your ears and you can find that. But um that that's really that's really the turning point where I went from I started going from being at a manageable weight where I could still do all the normal things anybody else could do, and I start to slowly tailspin out of control my weight. Um To a point where now, and I, I can openly say this, um, you know, there are certain aches and pains that I have now that I wouldn't have had if I was still back in that body eight years ago. Um, it's a little more difficult to do certain things, like I, like uh, standing up for a long period of time without any assistance. It's harder for me now than it was before. Um, perfect example. I did dishes yesterday. I did them sitting down. Cause if it's longer than a couple minutes, I can't do it. Either my my knees, my ankles, my lower back, my hip. It, it's just it's not it's not a good thing. It's not good for me. Um.
using the bathroom. If if I'm at if I'm in certain places, it's a little bit more of an adventure than it is at home. Um, there's times occasionally where, um, and bless my wife's soul, you know, I'll ask her to help me bathe on occasion. Um, if I'm really really sore and really really out of it. Um, obviously, I, uh, I, I, I can't walk a great distance without having to stop. Um, going uphill or upstairs is a bitch for me right now. Um, my sleep apnea has gotten worse over the years, so... And that's something I'm addressing. Like, I'm getting ready for a sleep study and, and stuff, but um, I'm more fatigued now than I have been at any point in my life on a day-to-day basis. And it's just harder in general to get around. Like, I'm to a point where I need a... I'm to a point where I need a, a seatbelt extender just to make sure I'm buckled in and following the law <laughs> when I'm driving. Um... It's it's not easy, and um, it's something that it's one of those things where I want to fix. I've been trying to fix it on and off the last five years, but because of my mental health coming to light over the last year and a half, it's it's kind of put my physical health on the back burner in ways um, because I've been wanting to get my mind right before getting my body right and um, the problem is with the weight issues has also come self-sabotage in my personal and professional life um, in a professional manner, there have been, I've had a greater tendency, uh, to want to call out for no reason except for being, for lack of a better phrase, lazy, um, for being just not in the right headspace, for being tired, for being... Fat, essentially. Like, that's the best way I can put it. Um, my lack of desire to want to move out of bed um, letting me calling out a few times from certain jobs over the last five years. Um, that's even to a point where um, I'll even openly say this. There's a couple of times where I've been scheduled to do PA announcing gigs for various sports, whether it be volleyball, basketball, baseball. And I just haven't, I'm either, in, I feel like I'm in too much pain or I just not feeling it. And I just, the day of, just say, hey, can't make it. Um, 
so yeah, that's what I've done on a professional level. Personal level, um, I've become a lot more recluse, a lot more, um, a lot more of a homebody. Um, I've gotten to a point where I just I I don't leave the house much anymore. I don't like it's it's a fact. You can ask anybody in my family that. Um, I feel like I've sabotaged a good amount of friendships because of that. I've. Like I could openly say I, I've I've probably ruined some friendships because of it. Um, without even without even really thinking much of it either. Um, like I'll openly admit I've made plans with friends from time to time over the last few years and just day over day before said, Oh, I got a family emergency, oh I don't have a car some Stupid shit, and really, I just don't want to move. I just want to stay in bed. Um, and that's the that's the effect that self sabotage can have on you physically and mentally. It can bring you to a point of just submission. Essentially, is the best way to put it. You you don't wanna you don't wanna move, you don't wanna talk, you don't wanna see anyone, you just you don't wanna do anything except take up space in the bed. And um it's It's not good. Um, and that's partly why I started these podcasts that I do. Both this one and the pro wrestling podcast White Heat that I do with uh, JJ Alexander. Um, just so I am getting out of bed and doing something and being... Doing something makes the brain molecules go. Um And the weird thing is, I think there was a point in time where people within my inner circle thought I didn't realize what was happening to me or what I was doing. And the fact of the matter is, I've known for two and a half years. Like, I've, I've known since the early part of 2019 what was going on. And... My way of self-sabotaging was self-diagnosing, essentially. And the only way I wanted to help myself was just tell my wife, hey, can you get the doctor to get me, some, get me on depression pills? It's the only way I addressed it for nine months. The only way I addressed it was just, hey, send me a prescription. Um... 
And that's not me saying that I was addicted to pills. That's not what I mean. Like, I was taking them the way you're supposed to. But um, the fact that was the only way I was even half-assing an attempt to address my issues, um, that wasn't the right way. And, um, yeah, it's, it's hard. Like, this isn't easy. Like, I'm at, I'm at a point where, like, it's also been a struggle the last year and a half because I feel like every time I've taken one or two steps forward, I've taken another one or two steps back. Another example of self-sabotage. I'll just put this out there. On two different occasions now. I have started the process of getting cleared for bariatric surgery through St. Peter's Samaritan. And both times, I basically halted my progress by stopping going to the appointments. Um, and I, I know why. It's because I have this weird innate fear, and I don't know why, um, of surgery. I don't. I, I, I can't explain it. Um, but it was only amplified when um, I was trying to get clearance for an endoscopy earlier this year, and this was th this really hit home to me. Um, So my cardiologist cleared me for the endoscopy, which was going to require putting me under anesthesia that was going to knock me out for the procedure. So I needed clearance my cardiologist and my primary care. My cardiologist cleared me. Um, my primary care... He um he expressed concern and for lack of a better phrase, he essentially said, I do not want Brian going under anesthesia until he's lost at least a hundred pounds because I'm afraid between his weight and his sleep apnea, he might not wake up if he gets put up on put under anesthesia. And um Yeah, so now I'm at a point where I'm just kind of waiting because I finally got things cleared up with my most recent former employer. Um, as far as my because for whatever because I put in I put in my resignation back in March, but never heard anything. So I finally reached out to them a month and a half ago, and I was like, "Hey, like." Because I have benefits through them. Like, what's the deal? Because I was trying to get set up with HPA Livewell, which is a great place for mental and physical health. Um, go look them up. I think they're part of Albany Med, technically. But they're, they're also considered their own separate entity in Washington Ave Extension in Albany. Um, so I was trying to set up, you know, getting with them to help myself with my mental health and my physical health. Um, but it said that the insurance I wanted to use wasn't active for 
that it still showed my insurance from my previous employer as my active insurance. I'm like, what the hell? Turns out my resignation from three months prior had never been submitted by my supervisor. So technically from March up through present day at the time, I was still considered an employee of the company just on leave of absence. And I'm like, Jesus, Mary and Joseph. So they finally cut off the benefits. Um, effective 624, but we didn't get the letter about it until the last few days. Um, as right now, I am recording this on Friday, July 9th. So that means I won't have any active insurance till August the 1st. Um, so I can't do anything with HPA LiveWell for at least another three to four weeks. Even though I basically have everything set up and I just... It's been a pain in the ass, but yeah. So, um, but I feel like once I get this HP level stuff set up, I think I'll finally be in the right place to get the ball rolling with me and really push. Possibly starting a new prescription. Once it comes in to my doctor's office, it's a once a week prescription um, that's supposed to help. Uh, what's supposed to put this? Expediate, speed up the process of losing weight. Um, which I tried something similar before, and it was working fine until I had some complications when I was upping the dosage. Um, I won't go into details too much <laughs> but uh so yeah so i'm just waiting on this new prescription to start off but i'm i'm making the progress necessary i just when i do start making the progress that i know i want to make like i'm fully committed to the process and the directions i need to take to that i need to follow through the process but it's like i keep banging my head against a wall because i run into complications with stupid shit uh like my former employer so yeah, that's that. But yeah, I need to get a sleep study done. Still, um, yeah. So, any hooser. That's that. That's this, that's the episode. Uh, once again, if you want to follow me on Twitter at Brian Katie B R I A N C A D Y. If you want to send your comments in longer form, questions, uh, your own mental health story. The email is brian.katie at godzillamedia.com. That's G-O-Z-I-L-L-A media.com. And of course, don't forget, if you're watching this on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to the Godzilla Media channel, check out all the other great shows, including past episodes of The Space Between Your Ears, right here. If you're listening on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple, Spotify, whatever, make sure you rate... Subscribe to the channel. Subscribe to the show. It's a great time. And, uh, yeah, so um, that does it. So this has been another episode of The Space Between Your Ears, presented by Godzilla Media and sponsored by Mohawk Honda, Freeman's Bridge Road in Scotia, where they always got out of the way to please you. And we'll catch you again next time. So until then.